Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we've got several stories to look at during this half hour. And these are stories that if you were looking at them from the world standpoint, you might see the headline and say, that's not good news. But I, I have to, I really have to take a look at these and say, okay, look, there is good news. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love looking for the good news stories every week. I really enjoy the privilege of sharing good news with you. We have been doing Good News Friday here on the Bottom Line Show uh, for years, uh, at least half of the run of the show. And for those who are listening on KLTT, our newest affiliate here in Denver, um, the bottom line is that we're in our 12th year now. Oh, my goodness. This is it's a number of completion, I think. No, that's 40, right? We're, we're planning on doing 40 years of the show. Um, and I have to admit, there are days when it really does wear me down. I'm, I'm not going to... I, I wish I could sugarcoat this for you. You know that I had open heart surgery four and a half years ago. Uh, I have had uh, issues with my health while I've been doing this show. <laughs> um, I, I figure, I, I estimate that I've probably gained about five pounds of stress per year uh, doing the bottom line show. And uh, you can do the math on that. Um, and, and again, I'm not blaming the bottom line of Crawford or anything like that. Uh, it, it's the way I process what's happening in this world. And Lisa and I were talking about this the other day, my wife, Lisa, and um, she has a thing for, you know, a lot of people have gone to social media, especially during the pandemic, and have looked for things that bring them joy, whatever it is. She is an avid, avid and, and amateur interior designer and really has a good eye for it. So she likes to play games on social media that are, you know, design games. I play Scrabble. You know, because she introduced it to me about two and a half years ago. And I thought, this is fun. I like this. You know, there's a winner. There's a loser. It's challenging. You learn new words. It's, it's, it's got everything someone like me really likes. But I also noticed, too, that of late, my son has a husky and uh, Momo. She's about eight years old and she's a big old girl. And she's uh, tons of fun. She's a real sweetheart. I found myself looking at videos of people playing with their puppies. You know, and I thought, hey, this is great. And finally, she said one day, do you want a dog? And I said, no, I just kind of like a break every now and again to be able to kind of get away from this. And it's hard to because I know there's good news in the world and I dig around for it constantly. Uh, my wife calls my smartphone my mistress because I spend so much time reading and whatever. And I do this gladly. I mean, but please, this is not a guilt trip and this is not false humility. I really do enjoy the hunt looking for the bottom line. I mean, that's why we call the program the bottom line. We want to get to the issues that are important to us as in the body of Christ and then get to the bottom line of what's really important. And that has changed so dramatically since we started this program back in 2011. And it's changed dramatically in the sense that media used to be more trustworthy. Now they're not. Politicians, I don't know if they were more trustworthy. I think they're just more brazen in the way that they meet that out. You know, I mean, an M-E-T-E that out. And, and it does get, there are days when it's really hard. There are weeks when I have a difficult time finding three or four stories that are just flat out, straight ahead good news. This week is kind of a mixed bag for this half hour because there's a lot of devastation going on. We've seen, you know, everything that happened in Florida with Hurricane Ian. And, and it's, it's amazing how, you know, there are people who like CNN had a headline this week that said there literally there are people who have left the faith, which is becoming a thing now, people who uh, either... Uh, what they, they deconstructed their faith or their ex-evangelicals instead of evangelicals or whatever. And, and my heart breaks for anybody who says, I tried Christianity and it quote unquote did not work for me. I take that very seriously because my first thought would be under, you know, <laughs> under my breath, the first thought would be, well, chances are if it quote unquote didn't work or you're leaving 
this. You're wandering away from it. If you never come back, it was never really there. I mean, I don't know how you pry yourself out of God's hand. At the same time, though, <clears throat> there are many people who go through uh, uh, prodigal stories. I was talking with a gentleman uh, last week who's a pastor and a counselor and uh, you know, fairly well-known nationally, and he was talking about his younger daughter who um, had gone through a, a season of struggle. She was the easiest kid in the world to raise until she hit 16, and then she met some new friends, and they all started trying drugs, and next thing you know, he went on this exodus, if you will, trying to find her as she was wandering away from her faith. And she's back home, and she's walking with the Lord now and, and doing great, but there was a period, he said, where I was seriously depressed. This CNN story talking about the number of people who professed faith in Christ and then renounced it are now experiencing what they call rapture anxiety, because of end times teaching. And that tells me something. I mean, this is kind of a silver lining good news story. If somebody who says, I went to church, it didn't work for me, I'm leaving the church, there's too, my favorite, there's too much hypocrisy in the church. Like there's not hypocrisy anywhere in the world. Anywhere there are human beings and sin, there's going to be hypocrisy. But isn't it interesting how people who grew up in the church all of a sudden now, if they've walked away from it, are still saying, yeah, but I'm experiencing trauma because that end times teaching just really scared me and I don't want to be scared. Now, trust me, if you have not been through a life-threatening medical situation before, raise your hand. I notice I said raise your hand. Don't raise your hands, especially if you're driving. We're hearing from a lot more people who are back on the road saying, I love listening to the bottom line of the car. Don't raise both hands. Even if you have a self-driving Tesla, don't raise both hands. But raise your hand if you find it somewhat interesting that when people who have, you know, not really had any kind of health scare, health challenge, meet somebody who has, the people who have not had the health challenge will be like, oh, you know, well, the end of the world is going to happen, but, you know, it's not going to get to me. It's not going to bother me. And when you, until you hear a doctor tell you and your loved ones, we got it just in time, or I didn't see that in the original x-ray, and I'm glad we did because that could have been fatal. Don't get me wrong, I don't ever want anyone in the medical profession to feel like they are, quote-unquote, saving someone's life. All of us have an expiration date, and the only one who can save your life is Jesus Christ. His blood on the cross pays the penalty for your sin. That will save your life. All of these temporal bodies will go away at some point. I thought my expiration date was at the age of 56. And because of a uh, a rather astute... Uh, an insightful uh, licensed vocational nurse who came to the office of Wilson Financial Services, one of our uh, uh, sponsors here in the Southern California and Northern California areas, was having a physical from the legendary CD alternative. And I failed the physical, had an irregular heartbeat. And I'd been in the hospital six months before and the nurse contacted Tess over at uh, Wilson Financial and asked if they, there were any medical records that they needed to see. Tess reached out to me. I called my doctor. My doctor got... The medical records, they looked at the uh, a chest x-ray that they'd taken when I was hospitalized and said, oh, we see uh, what looks like a couple of uh, nodules on your right lung. You should go see a pulmonologist, and you may as well just get a new scan and go see a cardiologist while you're at it. And they discovered that I had a bicuspid aortic valve that was closing down, wasn't pumping the blood through, and I had a potential for an aortic uh, ascending aortic aneurysm, kind of like Max Licato had a couple of years ago. And uh, if that had burst, I would have an aortic dissection, which means the aorta in the ascending mode opens up. It literally splits, and the blood starts pumping into your system, and the chance of survival is 
So when all that happened, they scheduled surgery. They wheeled me in for surgery. I had to miss my producer, Tamara Cromito's uh, wedding. I was supposed to officiate that. And she got married on March 17th. I had surgery on March 12th. And the afternoon of March 12th, the doctor told my daughter, my oldest daughter, Emily, was running point for me on all the medical stuff. He said, we got it just in time. If we had waited till next Monday to do this surgery, it may not have been an issue. Wow. I mean, so now I know what it means. So when I hear people telling CNN, I used to be a Christian, but I still have trauma over end times teaching. Well, guess what? The end times are coming, whether you and I want them to or not. I think any Bible-believing Christian says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But, so this is good news story number one. Isn't it interesting that the so-called rapture anxiety that people who thought they were leaving the church are experiencing may just be the still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, are you sure you don't want to be a Christian? Are you sure you don't want to be part of the family of God? Are you sure that faith of yours, quote-unquote, didn't work? We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, another good news story amidst the issue of what happens when the world says yes is no, but we all know that no is no and yes is yes. I will talk about one medical uh, facility that is actually taking God's word and that settled science to heart in the battle over transgender medical services. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I know what you're thinking. Yeah, these stories, I mean, wow, Rog, that's, uh, uh, how is it good news that a bunch of former Christians are now having anxiety over the end times? We see the silver lining. It's as if they said, well, I'm turning my nose on faith and salvation, but you know what? Um, maybe, just maybe, it's not anxiety that they're experiencing. Maybe it's their conscience saying, hey, guys, wake up. You know how this is going to end. You know what the Lord said. And he's coming back for his own. So where are you going to be when he does? Maybe that anxiety isn't such a bad thing after all. Um, Interestingly enough, another one of these good news stories, it doesn't seem like a good news story, uh, involving Oklahoma University. The University of Oklahoma has a series of medical facilities that are attached to the school. I mean, any major university does. And it's interesting because they're, um, I, it, it, you would like to think they do make these decisions for the right reasons. Other times you get the idea that they're just doing it for the money. But check this out. The University of Oklahoma and the OU uh, health team have decided, lawmakers are, that they are going to discontinue services for, quote, certain gender medicine uh, services. 
The reason they're doing that, gender medicine is a fancy word for hormone treatments and things of that nature for gender reassignment medical treatment. The reason they're doing so is really very simple. Oklahoma lawmakers have threatened to block as much as $100 million in federal funding for the Oklahoma-based University Hospitals Authority and the Hospitals Trust if they continue down this road. Now, there are people in the LGBTQ community who are saying, this is an outrage and it's not fair and it's mean-spirited and blah, 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 blah. But here's where they are targeting the money. They want to make sure that they don't get squeezed out of federal funding for the university hospital system for medicine for all people. And so here's what they're doing. State legislators have made the discontinuation of, quote, gender reassignment medical treatment as a stipulation for the medical facilities to receive funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. That was one of those big money grabs that the president signed in during the pandemic. That act allocated about $40 million for a children's behavioral health hospital in Oklahoma City. According to OU Health, as quoted in the Tulsa World, the funding will modernize our technical infrastructure. It will bring National Cancer Institute-level cancer care to Northeast Oklahoma and allow us to deliver the most advanced inpatient and outpatient resources in the country for young people who need mental and behavioral health care. Okay. So interestingly enough, the LGBTQ crowd says, well, and of course that includes kids who are transgender, right? And the legislature responded by saying they've restricted the use of funds from benefiting facilities performing certain gender medicine services. The new mental and behavioral health facility was never intended to provide such care. Let that sink in. How many times do you hear from the LGBTQ crowd that the reason kids need to have, quote unquote, gender affirming surgery is what? Because they're depressed. Why are they depressed? Because they think they were assigned to the wrong gender at birth, born in the wrong body, blah, 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 blah. But then what's the big issue? They'll say, well, they're depressed and they have higher incidences of attempting suicide, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because they're depressed about this. Well, how many kids who go through the hormone replacement the boys who have Lupron introduced to their bodies that effectively castrates them, stops the flow of testosterone, makes it possible for them to sort of feel like they're delaying puberty. The doctors really, with no FDA approval, with no AMA guidelines whatsoever, they figured out a way to kind of trick the body into doing certain things that will never be a perfect fit. The science is definitely settled on that one, but it doesn't stop parents from pushing their kids into these needless surgical procedures. And so it's interesting that Oklahoma lawmakers decided that when it came to this $108.5 million federal funding, of which $39.4 million were allocated for children's behavioral health, rather than take on the children's behavioral health issue of transgenderism as a behavioral health issue, They just said, you know what, here's the deal. We're not going to provide what they call certain gender medicine services so they can make sure they get the federal funding. So this is where we are in 2022. I guess we should be grateful that Oklahoma lawmakers at least had the courage to stand up for what's right and say, look, we are not going to give you federal funding if you're going to turn around and spend it on mutilating the bodies of children just because they think 
they might have an issue here. Now notice, the funding is actually going to modernize their technical infrastructure and bring National Cancer Institute level cancer care to Northeast Oklahoma. And they're also going to deliver some of the most advanced inpatient and outpatient resources in the country for young people with regard to mental and behavioral health. What if they had said, oh, you know what, we're going to take the 39.4, but instead of doing surgery on kids, we're going to give them counseling. Oh, the dreaded C word. We're going to give them counseling for, here comes the C, conversion. Oh, we're going to have that young boy who's convinced he's a girl sit with a therapist and and occupational therapy and group therapy and find out why he thinks he's a, a girl when he actually is, in fact, science is settled, a boy. Huh. The statement then added, the Oklahoma University Health Senior Leadership Team is proactively planning the ceasing of certain gender medicine services across our facilities, and that plan is already under development. Now, of course, the ACLU, oh, you can't do that to these kids because they need, quote-unquote, care. This is an attack on bodily autonomy. Transgender youth are a part of Oklahoma. No one's debating that. They deserve the same privacy, access to treatment, and evidence-based health care from trained medical professionals as any other Oklahoman. Now, I totally agree with that. That's the uh, Oklahoma uh, policy director for the ACLU Oklahoma, Cindy Wynn. Did you hear that? Transgender youth are part of Oklahoma, and they deserve the, they deserve the same, pri- same privacy, access to treatment, and evidence-based health care. Evidence-based health care. There is no evidence anywhere that a boy who feels like he should become a girl should have his body mutilated to be changed into a girl or that a girl who doesn't fit in with the other girls should shave her head to a boy's haircut and strap her breasts down, if not have them amputated, removed, mastectomy, radicalized, so then she could start identifying as a boy by shooting all sorts of testosterone into her body. That is evidence-based healthcare from trained medical professionals. But there are medical professionals who know how to work outside the lines. To take Lupron, which is in fact FDA approved for prostate cancer patients and use it for transgender children. We had a caller to uh, the Bottom Line show a couple weeks ago who was uh, getting in my face about Ron DeSantis. Oh, yeah, don't say gay, Bill. And, and he, he was uh, being mean to children and whatever. And I went, wait, wait, that bill that they had passed in Florida actually changed the law so that parents who had children in grades kindergarten through third would actually have notification by state law from educators if their child came to a teacher or a counselor or a principal and said, I think I'm a girl born in a boy's body or the other way around. After fourth grade, the kids can hide it from their parents. Evidence-based health care says that a man cannot get pregnant and give birth, even if you cut up his body and try to make him think he's a woman. Evidence-based healthcare says there are two genders. So I don't know what the ACLU is trying to pull. The Oklahoma legislature is also considering a bill that would ban anyone under the age of 21 from getting gender reassignment surgeries in the state of Oklahoma. Yay, Oklahoma. You're doing fine, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay. L-A-H-O-M-A, Oklahoma. You grow up in a family that does musicals and you just burst into song. 
Um, by the way, State Senator William Hamilton, who filed the bill during the 2021 legislative session but never received a hearing, expressed concern about the long-term effects of experimental treatments like puberty blockers and reassignment surgeries. Finally, an adult shows up and asks these questions. Well, it's good news that the legislators on the state assembly side and the state senate of Oklahoma have decided that uh, certain gender medicine services will no longer be performed for children under the age of 18. They're considering making gender reassignment surgery age 21 or older. And who would have thought that that would be good news in this day and age? But it certainly is. Hey, we'll take a quick break. Quick break. One more silver lining story on this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show coming up. And that's just around the corner as the Bottom Line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Well, welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. And I'm Roger Marsh. We're Good News Friday. This is the good news comes in some odd packages. Um, you know, and this is the type of thing where I think it's important for us in the body of Christ to look for the silver lining. I've really been convicted of late. I mean, we've talked about the story uh, involving uh, University of Oklahoma medical system and how the good news is that unfortunately, while there is this epidemic of young people who want to mutilate their bodies um, and become transgender or uh, the vast majority, according to most credible research, indicates that one out of five Generation Z identify as transgender, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they even want to change their gender, they just identify that way. You know, they, they are so sympathetic to people who are struggling, they want to be with them in that cause. And, and I, I, I commend them for their empathy, but I think they're kind of going at this the wrong way. You know, and as we started out, um, you know, t talking about the, uh, the issue with not only University of Oklahoma, but also the, um, uh, the fact that we saw uh, the number of people who formerly identified as Christian are now, uh, CNN's reporting that there's this epidemic of sorts of people who are kind of ex-Christians, ex-evangelicals, whatever they call them, who are experiencing trauma, not only because what, they, what they're saying is the trauma is based on the fact that they are plagued with, you know, these uh, visions that they had, uh, pastors telling them about the end times, but they're also starting to see some of the fruits of that labor. I mean, we are definitely moving in end times direction, and it may be several years, it might be a couple of months, who knows how quickly it's going to happen. But a lot of people who grew up in the church or used to be Christian and now they said they've walked away from their faith are saying, I'm traumatized by what you told me about the end times. And I think to myself, well, wait a minute, a little bit of discernment might help you see that the reason why you're traumatized is not because those people put those ideas in your mind, but rather because this stuff is happening and you know these prophecies are starting to come true and they were right. So the question isn't, did that mean old pastor 
you know, tell you something that scared you? Or was it true and now you're having doubts about your doubts? I mean, those are fair questions to wrestle with. Um, here's something else to think about. I mean, as we think about what happened in Florida with Hurricane uh, Ian, and I, I, I chuckle at the irony for our family anyway. Um, we do have an Ian in our family, my nephew, my brother's oldest son, and he's autistic. He's 29 years old. He's pure as the driven snow. He's the sweetest guy you'd ever want to meet. And if there's any kind of hurricane that we associate with Ian, it's of love and compassion and empathy, just the joy of the Lord. But Hurricane Ian, nonetheless, I mean, how many, two and a half, three million people without power within 24 hours? I mean, the, the, you saw the mud, you saw the flooding. Governor DeSantis said, my goodness, I mean, this is, we're talking stuff that hasn't happened in five centuries, uh, even if that history is recorded accurately. But it got me thinking. I saw a picture of a group of yachts and dinghies and other small boats in a docking area. And of course, the winds had kicked in at 150 miles an hour. The rains were torrential. And uh, basically what you had now were bathtub toys. You know, I mean, that's, it, was, it wasn't pretty. And I thought, oh my gosh, the millions of dollars of yachts that are there that are now just rubble. And how sad that is. But then I also was reminded that whenever there's a natural disaster, whether it be an earthquake or a tornado or floods and like that, that the first things to go are usually the things that we make and the things that we place value on. You know, we could look at that from an insurance standpoint and say there are hundreds of millions of dollars worth of d destroyed yachts in this marina, and this is one marina. Or we could say, hey, look, I mean, there's a lot of rain, there's a lot of mud, people had their homes destroyed, a lot of folks got, you know, power knocked out, they were inconvenienced, it might be months, it might be years before they get all this fixed. In a state of 20 million people for more than 10% of the population to be without power. But then it got me thinking about something, that no matter how hard the winds blow and no matter how hard the rain will fall, God's promise to us as his people is this, he will never wipe out again the human race by torrential rain and flooding. And I know that might sound trite in the midst of the fact you might have family who are impacted by this, I know I do, and it's not a pretty picture. But can we look at the good news for just a moment? We can go into all the world and you're not going to go to people in Florida and say, hey, you know what? God still loves you and there's a rainbow. So don't worry about everything that happened here. I mean, they need humanitarian aid in places like Samaritan's Purse are doing a great job of relief work to get that, uh, that, the, the money and the resources where they need to be. But let's take an eternal perspective too. Solve the temporal need solutions as best we can. But spiritually, in spite of that kind of torrential rain and gale force winds, we have God's assurance that he'll never again wipe out mankind by flood. Now, there will be fire. <laughs> there will be judgment. But God is true to his promises even in the midst of the storm. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. Coming up next, a special visit with a familiar friend to the Bottom Line Show. Jerry B. Jenkins has a new novel out. Uh, it's in his Dead Sea novel series. Uh, it's called The Dead Sea Conspiracy. It's a fascinating work of passion and intrigue and possibly the blending together of the three Abrahamic faiths. Jerry and I are going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the Bottom Line continues. When a young mother hears her baby's heartbeat for the first time, everything changes. They know that's a baby. And when you partner with us and Preborn, 
You let them see the ultrasound image, and God takes care of the rest. Roger Marsh here for Preborn, our newest member of the Bottom Line Show family. Preborn is helping women by helping them see their child on the ultrasound, hear that baby's heartbeat for the first time after getting that pregnancy test, and you'd be amazed at the results. So far, for the first half of this year, more than 25,000 babies have been saved through Preborn, and 25 ultrasound machines have been placed. Now, it costs $28 to provide a free ultrasound for a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy and wondering what to do with the child. We tell her what option number three is in addition to option one and two. Option one, of course, you're a mom. Option two, legally, you can get abortion in some states. But option number three is adoption, and the ultrasound makes option number one or three much more palatable. Call 833-850-BABY right now. Make a $28 donation to save one life. Make a $28 a month donation to save a life each and every month. That's less than a dollar a day. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or click the preborn banner when you go to kbrightradio.com today. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. The good news for you is we have a great author and a great giveaway to share with you today. On the we kick off this edition of the Good News Friday program with a conversation with Jerry B. Jenkins and a new project he's working with. Let's get into that right now on the Bottom Line. Historical fiction, especially fiction that's rooted in Scripture, has been the staple of uh, the Christian genre for many, many years, and no one does it better than Jerry B. Jenkins. And today here on the Bottom Line Show, it's an honor to have Jerry back with us to talk about a brand new novel, uh, one of his uh, uh, Dead Sea uh, conspiracy series uh, chronicles that we've got linked for up at thebottomlineshow.com. This is from the Dead Sea Chronicles. It's called Dead Sea Conspiracy. Jerry Jenkins, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Thanks so much. Always good to be with you. Well, it's good to be with you, too, especially when you consider how prolific a writer you are I don't think people realize how long it takes to write a novel. People think, oh, you're just kind of creating the story along the fly, so it's no big deal. But your specialty is taking things that have been done and have something that's a little more tangible to it, and maybe fact-based fiction, if you will. Uh, talk about the prep that goes into that, because uh, I can imagine it's a rather grueling process, even though you kind of know where the story's going to go based on what you're writing from. Yeah, and I tend to write as a process of discovery. I'm what's called in the business of pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. So I've got a, <laughs> I've got uh, a character in mind, and I've, I have an idea where I'm going, but I write to find out what happens. Mm. And uh, Stephen King does this. He says, put interesting characters in difficult situations and write to find out what happens, which kind of gives me an out when fans write in and say, why did you kill off my favorite character? I can say, I didn't kill him off. I found him dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's not, not that death is funny, but you're, you're right. It's kind of like on the one hand, there are these people who are doing the Covey, you know, type of thing, you know, start with the end in mind. And the others who are saying, as long as my headlights show me, you know, thy word is a lamp into my feet, I'll just take the next step based on what's illuminated here. And I would think that that it seems like a more interesting and fun way to write. It is a fun way. Uh, I think, you know, about half half of novelists are pantsers and the other half are outliners. Mm -hmm. And I think just like people with curly hair or straight hair, each each wishes they were, they had the other. You know, <laughs> when I'm in the middle of a book and, and uh, sort of winging it with no safety net, I, I sometimes wish I were an outliner and knew where I was going. But uh, it's a lot of fun to discover it as you go, too. But you're right, it is grueling. I mean, you have to do a lot of research, uh, especially with biblical fiction, to make sure that it, it fits Scripture it fits the historical period, 
Um, the, the writing itself can be grueling, too. People often have asked me, when did you know you loved writing? And I have to do a double take because I love being a writer and having written and being able to write. Mm -hmm. But the writing itself is sort of like running a marathon. If you ask right. a marathon runner at the 20-mile mark, if they don't just love running, you might get a gesture you didn't expect. You know? <laughs> Different kind of salute that, that you're used to having. Jerry Jenkins is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about the Dead Sea Chronicles. This is book number two, Dead Sea Conspiracy. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Tell us, kind of give us a 90-second overview. Don't give away any plot points in terms of finding people dead or anything. But what, what what's the conspiracy behind uh, the archaeological dig here at the Dead Sea that we're talking about? Well, the uh, the, the Dead Sea is really more of an idea because this the, my main character is a young woman in her late 30s who was raised by an archaeologist. Uh, who told her all about the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and really got her interested in archaeology. She wants to dig in Saudi Arabia, and uh, she has so much going against her, uh, her age, her gender, uh, her faith. She happens to be a Messianic uh, Christian, uh, Jewish Christian. And uh, those are all reasons that why the Saudis might not want her to dig there. Mm -hmm. And they definitely don't want her to find something that would corroborate uh, the, the scriptures of Christianity as opposed to the scriptures uh, of Islam. And uh, so she's really suspicious when she gets permission to dig there and and does face lots of opposition. And when she finds something that, uh, that bears a lot of uh, truth about the origins of the, the religions and how they were not supposed to be at enmity, but, but, uh, but the, the sons of Abraham were supposed to work together uh, it could change the whole face of, of Middle East uh, conflict and, and all that. So uh, that that provides the modern-day mystery and, and thriller part of this. There's a lot of danger, a lot of things happen. But every other chapter, I jumped back 4,000 years to the birth of Abraham and his life, and I had a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, the reader gets a contemporary story, a thriller, and they also get a, a biblical, historical piece of fiction where— the stuff about Abraham from the Bible is all accurate and true the way the Scripture tells it. But I imagine, because of charts that I studied, that show that Abraham, or that Noah and his sons were actually alive at the time Abraham was alive. Right. And so I have 10-year-old Abraham being taken to talk to Shem and get a first-hand account of how it was on the ark. So there's lots of fun things in this book. I'll bet. Jerry Jenkins, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Dead Sea Conspiracy is the new novel. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com, and in addition to the work that he's been doing on The Chosen, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But back to putting this together, I know a lot of people in the culture, I'll just say culture on the whole, not necessarily in the church, uh, it's, you know, hey, it's a beach day, it's a mountain getaway day, I'm in a book club, you know, whatever it is. And oftentimes, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like oftentimes, fiction, novels, things of that nature, kind of gets brushed to the side in terms of overall importance, if you will. I mean, as Christians especially, it's like, well, if I'm doing serious Bible study, I'm going to find a serious Bible study. But if I just want to take a load off, I'm going to go find a novel. Talk about how you bridge the gap, you know, in terms of uh, your, your, your novels are all very muscular. I mean, they're very meaty, they're very substantial. And yet there's also that element of surprise, fear, intrigue, passion? I mean, how, how do you weave the two together, Jerry B. Jenkins? Yeah, 
I really believe that people love stories. Even when you're listening, you know, I, I favor pastors who are expositional and, and take us through Scripture verse by verse, word by word, line by line. But whenever they take a break and say, uh, I once knew a man who, everybody perks up. They want to hear. They want to apply to their own lives. And uh, I think Jesus was the best example we can have for using, in essence, fiction to, to make deep spiritual points. Uh, I believe the parables were, were largely fiction, some based on fact, I'm sure, but um, he's telling stories with uh, earthly details that have heavenly meanings, and uh, and that's really what I want to do. I want to be true to the Scripture. Uh, I want there to be a message between the lines, not too hard because it, it, it might come off sermonic, uh, but you're right. People people do sometimes dismiss fiction and say that it's, you know, that's, that's not impo- important Bible study. But you can tell truth with a capital T with a good story well told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've often said that when people ask me what my favorite verse in the Bible is, I'd say anyone that starts with the passage, the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, because that's where mm-hmm. you know, okay, that's pull up a chair. Here we go. You know, and, and that, that description is just, it, it's powerful. And, and that's probably the only Bible a lot of people will read, in all honesty. And, and especially in the era that we live in right now, where it seems like fantasy has become reality and you can be an influencer without actually doing anything except pouting on TikTok for, you know, 15 seconds or whatever. It's just, it is, it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, Jerry B. Jenkins, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. I haven't done a brag on Jerry yet, so let me remind you, in case his name does, in fact, sound familiar, 72 million books sold, I and mean, we're not just talking in print, 21 titles have reached the New York Times bestseller list or the USA Today bestseller list or the Publishers Weekly bestsellers list. Jerry, at some point, have you ever looked at the account looked at you know, the sales looked at the residuals and said i don't have to keep doing this anymore i mean there's a passion that keeps driving you how do you describe it yeah that point actually came a couple of decades ago i mean the left behind series made it so that i really wouldn't have to work the rest of my life and people have said so are you going to retire and i'm thinking well i didn't i'm not doing this to get myself into a position where i can retire i i felt called ironically not to writing but to full-time christian work and the writing has been the vehicle I've used to fulfill that call. And I don't want to sound falsely modest, but I really believe I've been been only mono-gifted. I don't sing or dance or preach. <laughs> writing is all I do. And I feel obligated to exercise that gift. And nothing thrills me more than to see lives changed by something I've written. Uh, so to me, it's a joy. I can't imagine ever quitting. Um, I, I hope I, I die with my boots on. Mm-hmm. And, and pen in hand or laptop open or however you else want to describe it euphemistically. Um, let's talk about the nature of storytelling as it is right now. I mean, you are definitely iconic in a class. I don't want to say class by yourself, but I mean, there, there's definitely a Jerry B. Jenkins style. And, and you even have a, you know, the Writers Guild where you coach other writers. So, I mean, it's, it's not like that. That's not false modesty. That's a, a statement of fact. What do you see that encourages you in the writing of others who are following in the same path you are, not necessarily because they want to be you, but they're responding to the gift that God's given them in the same way you have? Yeah, I'm, I am encouraged by the fact that, that um, especially in the area of inspirational fiction, Christian fiction, um, it, it used to be fairly wide but fairly shallow, and I think it's getting deeper now. And a lot of my colleagues that I'm in, group, in writers' groups with online uh, people who've been in the business for decades, uh, they're writing uh, stuff that's real and gritty and uh, not graphic to the point of, of gratuitous, but 
Um, you know, so sometimes when we get criticized, people will say, um, you know, this is this is too rough for me. There's there's too much negativity in it. And we have to gently say, have you ever read the Old Testament? I mean, right. that would be yeah. rated, that would be rated R anywhere you, you cut it. And mm-hmm. you need to know how bad the bad news is so you can know how good the good news is. And so yeah. I'm encouraged by writers that are really getting close to the bone now and uh, and are writing real stuff that people can identify with. Well, this is a fascinating book, and it's a great topic, too, for discussion. Uh, Jerry B. Jenkins, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Dead Sea Conspiracy. It's a novel from his Dead Sea Chronicles, Chapter 2, the second installment of the Dead Sea Chronicles. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Jerry B. Jenkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Jerry is the uh, uh, the author of a fascinating new book called Dead Sea Conspiracy. It's a novel. It's part of the uh, Dead Sea Chronicles series, and it's always great to get some time with one of the most prolific Christian writers of all time. What do you hear from people who are reading the Dead Sea Conspiracy right now? And we see the story that you just described. You have a, a heroine, a female uh, who's going to Saudi Arabia. She's a Messianic Jew. You've got the, 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 the fact that just a woman in that part of the world is doing this kind of work uh, seems unheard of. And then at the same time, what she's doing kind of brings the Abrahamic religions together to ask the question, how did we get to the splintering right now? How are people responding to the characters in the Dead Sea Conspiracy, Jerry Jenkins? It's been really gratifying. Uh, I'm here, you know, it's it's only been out, you know, a few weeks now, but it's it's really been fun to hear from people saying they really like the jumping back and forth between the contemporary story and the ancient mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And many have asked me, did I write the contemporary story first and then the ancient story and then weave those together? Actually, I, I guess I have a bit of ADHD myself, and I need <laughs> the, the variety. And so I yeah. write the book in the in the exact sequence that the reader reads it. I read a chapter of, of the uh, contemporary story and then jump back 4,000 years. It allows me to get my main characters. Um, you know, Nicole Berman is the main character in the, in the contemporary story. Get her into a situation where you wonder what's going to happen to her. Jump back 4,000 years, and the reader stays with you because they want to get back to Nicole. And then I do the same with Abraham or his father or p- people back in that day. So, um, so far, the response has been really encouraging. Now, Jerry B. Jenkins' new novel is called Dead Sea Conspiracy. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And to your point earlier about tying together Abraham with Shem, for example, I mean, I love the way that does happen. A few years ago, God really spoke to me to when I do my daily Bible reading, I read the one your Bible, I do it chronologically, just so I can see how it was being written, even though it does get a bit redundant, especially with the Gospels, but to see it in real time as opposed to that. As you're watching real-time events play out, I'm asking the guy who uh, ventured into the world of novel novelizing the book of Revelation 30 years ago, and uh, how do you think that uh, like Left Behind is holding up based on what you were in, imagining? Is it is it crazy when you look at people with their smart devices right now to say, hey, you had Buck Williams using this stuff in 1994? Yeah, it's it's been amazing to watch uh, and stunning, really. And the thing that still astounds me you know, it, it has been, I think it was, it was 27 years ago last month that the first book came out. Mm. That that series is still selling about 15,000 units a month to this day. And I wow. still hear from people almost every day. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people are seeing the signs and saying, boy, we're, we're you know, something's coming. And, mm-hmm. uh, and this may be it. Now, it's amazing to see that happen. And I, I remember uh, one of the uh, producers on 24 was talking about some of the stuff that they kind of dreamed up for 
season one or season two, and then the government said, hey, that's a great idea. We should try that. I, I would just imagine, are you, do you consider yourself kind of a sci-fi geek or like with Dead Sea Conspiracy, now you're talking about an archaeologist who's digging back into ancient ruins. Does it feel a little more comfortable for Jerry B. Jenkins to dig back and bring that to the forefront as opposed to looking ahead, as, as you had to do with Left Behind, and kind of imagine the future? I find them both kind of fascinating because I'm, I'm not a scholar or a theologian, and I'm certainly not an archaeologist. Uh, I'm a storyteller. And so yeah. this idea actually came from the publisher, and they said, you know, would you want to do some novels with a, an archaeologist as a main character? And I said, I'd love to, but I would need a good consultant. And they, they hooked me up with uh, Dr. Craig Evans of Houston Baptist mm -hmm. Seminary. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, he's just he's the smartest guy in the room, no matter what the room. And, and yeah. I learned so much from him. And uh, so it's, it's fun to do both. I, I have a little bit of a, a futuristic geek because of the left behind thing. But it's mm -hmm. fun to go back to ancient times, too, and write stuff about the first century and then even, as I say, 4,000 years before now. I know you're, as we've, as we've talked with Jerry Jenkins so often here on the Bottom Line Show, he's always been so generous with his time and, and also just sharing his heart with regard to what's behind the projects, whether it's working on novelizing The Chosen or whatever. See, we've made it 15 minutes and we haven't even mentioned that son of yours yet, which I think is hopefully remarkable in and of itself, though season three is, you know, it's well underway to completion and we're excited about that. But as you see a younger generation kind of embracing this concept of biblical storytelling as opposed to, you know, I, I don't want to say fact-finding, but as you mentioned earlier, sometimes the expositional teaching gets kind of dry. I mean, just in terms of Jesus did this and Paul went here and et cetera, et cetera. When you kind of flesh out the story a little bit, um, it's it's got to be encouraging to see multi-generations multi all kind of coming to one. The, the unification that you write about in Dead Sea Conspiracy is kind of, it's happening in the church right now. Talk about that. Yeah, that's been uh, the most encouraging thing, I think, about the Chosen Project. I mean, uh, as I get older, my readership gets older, and I'm thinking, am I only writing for seniors now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, you try to reach kids, and they, they think, wow, the Bible's an ancient book, and, and uh, church, the way they remember it, maybe have, have been a little boring. Um, Dallas, you know, who created the, the Chosen uh, he used to be known as Jerry Jenkins' son. I'm now known as Dallas Jenkins' father, <laughs> and uh, yeah. may it ever be so. Uh, yeah. I, I've always thought everything he did was brilliant, but this time I was right. And uh, <laughs> to see uh, to see that thing reach every country of the world, 400 million views, in all ages, even down to grade school kids, um, to me that's just thrilling. I mean, we've all been trying to... to to broaden our demographic, it's hard to do as you get older. Mm -hmm. uh, for in, in Dallas, ironically, is the age I was when Left Behind hit. Mm. And so to, to see this happen in the same family twice in, in a quarter century has just been astounding. But uh, I just love what they're doing. I'm, I, I feel like I'm sort of pressing my nose up against the glass and asking Dallas if I can play too. So he listens oh. to these novels. I think it's great. Well, those novels are so helpful, I think, to kind of you know take it a step further, especially in this information-driven culture that we live in where everybody wants the backstory. They'll follow up on the fan pages. And, and, and quite frankly, it seems like people are becoming stars for just the way they kind of react to and even you know offer critical opinion of different things in the media. So uh, your, your novels are, are certainly not nose up against the glass, but really more sitting next to the director in the chair saying, ooh, how can I turn that into, you know, utilize my gift of, alongside the gift of my son. Jerry, we got a couple minutes left in our conversation here. Let's talk 
one last time about Dead Sea Conspiracy, the brand new novel. It's in the Dead Sea Chronicles, book number two. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Whom specifically were you writing this for? Whom do you hope will pick it up and, and, and really benefit from it? Well, I really hope that it's a, a book for uh, adults who just, they love a good thriller and they also love uh, biblical fiction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really trying to reach both of those markets. And I want people to, to come away with it realizing that, you know, these characters are identifiable. They, they have flaws, they have imperfections. They struggle, um, and if a reader can see himself or herself in the characters, that's a victory. And, uh, and I want them to see how people grow spiritually, how they encounter obstacles, how they come through things, and how they trust in God. Right. Uh, that's the ultimate thing, is I, I want people to, to stay in the Word, stay in church, and, uh, and be serious about their faith. Well, and especially now, as we've seen as such a disruption in those regular worship patterns, Bible study patterns, small groups, and things of that nature because of the pandemic, as, as that is starting to rebuild, uh, here's hoping and praying that a book like Dead Sea Conspiracy by Jerry B. Jenkins could be a catalyst for reigniting that kind of uh, uh, study. And uh, I, I would imagine at some point, uh, Jerry, that uh, you, you, you write very cinematically. Uh, I would imagine at some point someone's having a conversation in the background and saying, hey, maybe we can get his kid to direct a movie on Dead Sea Conspiracy, too, while we're at it. Is that any, any talks of... Uh, bringing these to the big screen? That's, uh, that's always uh, a conversation. And uh, uh, this would be a tough one because you'd have to, to in essence, um, you know, equip two different sets, you know, one contemporary yeah. and one ancient. Um, but I'd love, I'd love to see it. And uh, yeah. you know, I, a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past, Dallas is already looking at. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, he happens to be successful right now. So people are listening to him. So that's exactly you know how the game is played. Well, I understand as far as the ancient part, there's a plot of land in Texas right now that's got a lease on it for a few years. Maybe they could uh, squeeze something in on this one as well, as far as the Old Testament shooting goes as well. Uh, Jerry B. Jank. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say we're going to be down there next week, so I'll, I'll check out that set and see if it works. Yeah, see if it works. Well, you know the guy who's doing the leasing. Uh, Jerry B. Jenkins, always a pleasure. Dead Sea Conspiracy is the new novel. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jerry, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. Good to be with you. What a great conversation, as always, and a great resource, too. The Dead Sea Conspiracy, it's a novel from the Dead Sea Chronicle series by Jerry B. Jenkins. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of this book to give away right now. would love to place it in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through. To the bottom line, uh, Jerry B. Jenkins, The Dead Sea Conspiracy. It's a, an historical novel. It's got uh, some passion. It's got some intrigue. It also has uh, a little bit of Old Testament, New Testament going on in ways that perhaps you had not thought about before. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program 
and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. My thanks again to Jerry B. Jenkins, the author of just 72 million copies of books sold, Left Behind series, The Chosen Novels. Jerry's latest novel is called The Dead Sea Conspiracy. It's a novel that's part of The Dead Sea Chronicles, the second installment in that series. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving away a copy of the book right now. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line we have one copy of the dead sea conspiracy to give away um, and i would love it for you to be the one who calls in and wins you know i love the the fact that this is a an adventure you've got an archaeologist who's doing a little bit of uh, digging and the fact that she's a woman especially with going on with women in iran right now um, the fact that a woman is awarded a permit to lead a dig in Saudi Arabia is a big deal. But uh, the fact that you can kind of go back into the time of young Abram uh, when he's back in ancient Ur, learning from his forebears and finding out about what it was like to be uh, on the ark because there's that connection with Noah. But that historical novel, uh, Jerry Jenkins is the first guy who ever turned me on to the phrase fact-based fiction or faction, as we like to call it. And, you know, it's funny because whenever we see something like there's a story up at uh, Christian Headlines about Israeli archaeologists with the good old Israeli a- Antiquities Authority have uncovered 44 Byzantine gold coins in northern Israel. It's further evidence of the Muslim conquest of the Byzantine Empire in the Levant region. And it's very interesting to see, once again, it just keeps showing biblical history. And as we can see how the church grew and thrived, and then the Islamic tradition came in and was fighting for them. And and God leaves us these little hints where we can see, we can compare world history to biblical history. Not that there's any difference per se, but sometimes there is. But we can see that biblical history is always affirmed in these digs. And it just kind of reminds us that whether it's in a novel like Jerry Jenkins's Dead Sea Conspiracy or Riff from the Headlines, God's word is true and we can learn from the past, learn from the present and enjoy and experience the future of what that holds for us. Uh, Jerry Jenkins, we're still taking a couple more minutes to take your calls to win a copy of that book, The Dead Sea Conspiracy, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, we'll take a quick break. Our KCBC audience is uh, leaving us for Rabbi Schneider and discovering the Jewish Jesus, but don't forget Bottom Line Show Extra at 7, where you're going to hear tonight what our rest of our network is going to hear on the other side of this break. It's Pastor Appreciation Week. We're going to have our winner for Pastor of the Week and also tell you about an opportunity that people with different needs or special needs, if you will, are getting thanks to a church that takes the sanctity of human life very, very seriously. That's in upstate New Jersey. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. 
I'm Roger Marsh, and we've got great, uh, This is, well, it's Friday, obviously, so today we are going to talk about, this last half hour of the program, we're talking about churches on the move, we're talking about our pastor of the week, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, we're talking about preborn and the fantastic opportunity that you, as a bottom line listener, have to uh, actually get involved in that kind of ministry too. So lots of pastor talk here during the final half hour of today's edition of the Bottom Line Show. Hey, I want to thank uh, everyone who has participated up to this point uh, with uh, Preborn. Uh, we've been able to sponsor at least 20 kids so far. I haven't seen the totals from today. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. If you are looking to have an impact on the body of Christ and have an impact on the world uh, on the whole, then I encourage you. Um, when you see how many people wind up looking at uh, these children who are born uh, with special needs, for example, or maybe there's a diagnosis of a child who has different abilities in the womb, it's amazing to me how many people will just automatically assume, oh, the kid is going to be born with Down syndrome or there's going to be a problem. And the world just says, well, you know what we can do? I mean, it's not just countries like Iceland. Remember the uh, story, it was at 60 Minutes, D- did a, a very misleading headline in a video, I believe, that said, Iceland has solved the problem of Down syndrome. And I thought, wow, boy, that's really something. How, I mean, how do you solve that problem? That's not an easy problem to solve. And then we find out how it was they, quote unquote, solved the problem. Basically, every woman who was diagnosed with a child, you know, in the womb, uh, they would do the ultrasound, do the amniocentesis. They'd figure out that, that they, it looked like she was going to have, give birth to a child with Down syndrome. Their solution, quote unquote, in Iceland was to abort the baby. And I thought, that's crazy. That, I mean, that's absolutely nuts. That, that doesn't solve the problem of a medical condition. Quite the opposite. It, you basically end a life before it begins. And when you look at the number of people worldwide who are living with Down syndrome, who are thriving uh, in spite of having something that other people would say is a death sentence, then you begin to understand the work of preborn. You begin to understand why I'm so passionate about this, why an ultrasound machine is literally means life. Ultrasounds save babies. It's really it's kind of a mantra for uh, everyone at preborn and it's amazing how when a woman sees the ultrasound of her child she then has the opportunity to it's the first meeting between mother and child it's if you don't think there's power in the ultrasound ask yourself the question why is it that so many abortion advocates will fight tooth and nail to keep a pregnant woman from seeing the ultrasound of her preborn child I mean, if that organ, if those organizations had nothing to hide, then they would do way more adoption referrals than they do. We we've talked about the Planned Parenthood annual report that came out for fiscal year 2021, or maybe their 21-22 report is out now. Uh, 383,000 abortions performed by Planned Parenthood, and the adoption referral was something like 1,800. If Planned Parenthood is, in fact, and other abortion clinics like them, are, in fact, giving women all of their options, showing, giving them a free pregnancy test, not charging them for it, doing a free ultrasound, not saying you can't see the baby, and the reason they always give is it's too traumatic for a woman who might be considering abortion to see the image in the womb. Too traumatic for this reason, and you know this as well as I do. Preborn 
tells us that their success rate is 83%. If a woman comes to a preborn affiliated clinic, has the ultrasound done, $28, by the way, for the ultrasound. That's all it costs. It doesn't cost her anything. That's how much when you make a gift of $28 to preborn, that means one more child basically will be saved because that's how much it costs them to run the whole you know program to do. I mean, get the amnio gel and you know all the other things that go along with it the gloves i mean all the the things that go into the ultrasound uh and showing the woman her child 83 times out of 100 mom either chooses to raise a child on her own says i'm gonna i'm gonna make this work i'm gonna trust god or i'm gonna release that child for adoption and it's amazing how many post-abortive women don't know that adoption is an option so they go to an abortion clinic. Does the abortion clinic give them a free pregnancy test? No. Do they give them an ultrasound? Well, they'll do an ultrasound because they need ultrasound guidance to perform the abortion, but they sure as heck aren't going to show mom. And then once they show her and she says, I think I'd like to release the child for adoption, you think they're in a big hurry to give that information to mom? 383,000 babies aborted at Planned Parenthood and 1,800 referrals for adoption. You tell me if that math adds up. Add to the fact that over 50% of post-abortive women say, if I had known that adoption was an option, I would have placed my child up for adoption. And thus, you have the conundrum. And this is where preborn stands in the gap. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-5, excuse me, 22 Two nine is the number to call. Mention the bottom line show. It's $28 to save one child. It's $280 to save 10. It's $560 to save 20. And if you or your business are feeling generous and looking for a tax-deductible donation, these are all tax-deductible donations, by the way, um, $15,000 is the cost of purchasing a, uh, uh, an ultrasound machine. And those ultrasound machines will operate until they can do it's several thousand uh, ultrasounds brings the cost of actually doing it to around five bucks per 833-850-BABY is the number to call or just go to our website kbrightradio.com or thebottomlineshow.com there's a banner there for preborn. you click the banner i guarantee you in 28 seconds or less you will be able to make a tax deductible donation and i can't stress enough why this is so important this is what pro-life looks like not just pro-birth, but pro-life. Because once mom decides to keep the baby or release the baby for adoption, the pro-life community steps in and says, what do you need? Did you get kicked out of your house because your parents don't want you to be pregnant? Um, did you and your husband wind up getting divorced because you want to keep the child and he doesn't want you to? What do you need? And let us help you continue to lead a life that is thriving. And then once the child is born, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Well, it's Good News Friday, and I have more good news, not only to share about preborn, uh, where you can give a gift online or at 833-850-BABY, <clears throat> but I want to talk about this church that I discovered in New Jersey. And this is a church called Liquid Church. They are a mega church, and they have come up with, they're in uh, Parsippany. And on their Parsippany campus, <clears throat> excuse me, on their Parsippany campus, they have literally opened up a way to honor those with what we would say different needs. I know sometimes in the world they're referred to as special needs. But basically, this the new Liquid Church Clean Water Cafe 
It just opened up this past Monday. There were about 100 people on the church campus for the ribbon-cutting ceremony, including the mayor of Parsippany, James R. Barbiero. And here's the great thing about this. The Liquid Church Clean Water Cafe is a coffee shop. Proceeds of the sale are going to charitable efforts to provide clean water to overseas communities, hence the title, the Clean Water Cafe. But the staff is made up almost exclusively of people with different needs and different abilities. A special needs cafe, if you will. People who are, uh, you know, dealing with autism, Down syndrome, you know, different developmental needs all around the spectrum, many others. The idea here is to give them a place to work. A cup of coffee translates into a cup of clean water for someone in an area like in Africa or in Central America. And this is nothing short of spectacular. They've been trying to get this up and running for about three years, but uh, the original uh, opening was scheduled for 2020. Of course, the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but basically, but this is a, a an opportunity for the Liquid Church in Parsippany, New Jersey, to say, look, we have a ministry for adults with what we would call different needs or special needs. And basically what we do is we take, we've got a buddy program at our church. Every child with special needs has a buddy who's with them from fifth grade all the way through high school at the church. Now, sometimes they do this in schools, but to see a church take special needs ministry to the next level like this, I think is so encouraging. So if you have a child, son or daughter, who's autistic or Downs, or in our case with an intermittent developmental delay, that child is going to have a buddy who's been going to be with them from their elementary school years all the way up through high school. They get involved in Night to Shine, you know, the prom, they have their Tim Tebow's organization, they do that. Um, the reason that they do so this way is that their pastor, Tim Lucas, said, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, a bunch of millennials have stepped in and said, we understand what it needs to be inclusion, and that's why we're going to be the volunteers. We're going to be the buddies. And Tim Lucas said, look, the reason we're doing this is, quite frankly, we think the church is about 30 years behind the culture when it comes to helping people with special needs. Wow, that is a powerful statement. So you've got preborn saying, have your ultrasound. If your child has different needs, don't abort the child. We will help you find, find either resources to where you could be that parent for a child with special needs, or we can home that, find that special couple that wants to adopt your child. And then you've got a church like Liquid Church in New Jersey saying, oh, by the way, they're going to have work. Oh, absolutely, because once we get hold of them, they'll be in our buddy program, they'll be part of Night to Shine, and the Clean Water Cafe is going to be staffed almost exclusively with adults with different needs, so then they can use their job skills, which are so, trust me, as an adoptive dad, as a bonus dad, if you will, of a daughter with special needs that need to be included and to have something of substance, of purpose is so important. I can't stress enough how important that is. As you consider making a tax-deductible donation to preborn, I'm going to put this link up at thebottomlineshow.com as well, where you can learn more about the Clean Water Cafe at the Liquid Church in New Jersey. Great work that uh, Pastor Tim Lucas and his group are doing. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and as we continue, it is Good News Friday. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, and we've got this week's winner 
for Pastor Appreciation, another local pastor who's been nominated by a Bottom Line Show listener who is also just happens to be, you know, <laughs> in our listening area. And uh, this week's winner, I think, uh, hopefully it's going to be a pleasant surprise for him. We'll talk about that coming up next as the Bottom Line continues. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Well, welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Pastor of the Week uh, revelation here. We're about to announce the winning name, going to draw the winning name here and then announce it. And so grateful for everybody who's been writing in. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been, just made mention of this on Friday. I know we've been running some uh, promos, I think, on our station, uh, KBRT here in Southern California, uh, for the past couple of weeks. But once we started talking about it here on the bottom line, literally our email just started going bing, 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 with everybody nominating their pastors. And I'm just, I'm grateful. I know Teresa Kim, our marketing director, who has been processing all those along with her assistant, Crystal, who answers the phone if you call in for a giveaway or, you know, uh, during the uh, weekday afternoons. They've been just, you know, running around, <laughs> almost running ragged, trying to uh, process all the names and get them all cut up and then put into the giant proverbial uh, bottom line show fishbowl so I can draw the winning name. Um, the process is really very simple if you want to register, by the way. You go to kbrightradio.com. It's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. And then you uh, go ahead and fill in all the, it's a really simple prompt, put in your name, your contact info, the name of your pastor, the name of your church, of course, how we, you know, church's address and phone number is helpful so we can contact. And then just brief little paragraph as to why you feel uh, that your pastor deserves this recognition. Now, Every pastor deserves recognition, and Pastor Appreciation Month in October is a time when we can recognize the men and women called to pastoral ministry. Uh, I'm in that category, too, and I, I know I always appreciated the little, you know, the Starbucks card or, you know, the just a, a note card or some kind of gift. We had a woman who was involved in uh, foreign missions, and every year she'd go on a mission trip, and she'd come back from said mission trip, and she'd have a little doodad for all the pastors. And it was nice, you know, it's the kind of rookie associate guy <laughs> Way off on the way down in the pecking order uh, to still get that card. That was very nice, and I really appreciated that. Thank you, Tracy Watt, for doing that each and every year. But this year, we've decided we've got some really great resources. Um, our friends at David Jeremiah's ministry, Turning Point, uh, Charles Stanley, Within Touch, uh, Rick Warren's Daily Hope, and, and others. 
you know, these are all programmers here on our station, and they've provided us with some powerful resources to give to the pastor of the week. And so we we did a five-week one this we, officially last week, you know, September 30th. We kicked it off early because, you know, we just like we just like to give stuff away here on the bottom line. That's just kind of the way it works. So this week we're officially kicking off Pastor of the Week with our Pastor of the Week recognition. And the pastor is going to receive this great goodie bag with all these different, you know, things in it. I know every time I say goodie bag, I think you think it's going to have like jelly bellies and stuff like that. No, these are these are resources. This is kind of like a mini sabbatical for your pastor who's working so hard doing the visitations, prepping the sermons, making sure that everything works right, um, that, you know, the pastors are oftentimes overworked. And so we're kind of giving you a mini sabbatical in a basket, um, courtesy of all the ministries that are represented here on uh, Cape Brighton, Southern California. But then also our friends at Truth For Life, Alistair Begg's ministry, which is heard every weekday at 12 noon right here on uh, KBRT in Southern California. They have made arrangements with us to provide 100 Bibles, 100 copies of God's Word. So the congregation who nominates their pastor, uh, pastor will be blessed with a nice goodie bag, but then the uh, congregation themselves will be blessed with 100 copies of Scripture, which in this day and age is is more valuable than gold for a lot of people and use them as you choose you know depending on the size of the churches we're hearing from little churches big churches somewhere in the middle churches size wise if your congregation got rid of all their bibles during covid because they were told they can't have them and you need to restock here's a hundred copies you can use for pew bibles or bible studies sunday school class or maybe you have an outreach you, you want to get the god the word of god into the hands of people who need it desperately and and you can hand those bibles out or maybe you can you've got a mission that you're working with in a different land or a different part of the country, and they need God's word. Well, I highly recommend that you go and sign up because if your pastor and your church are selected, the pastor gets a nice goodie bag from kbrightradio.com, and you just click on the banner for Pastor Appreciation Month. But then your church is also going to receive 100 copies of the Bible, uh, God's living and active word, courtesy of our friends at Truth for Life and the Ministry of Alistair Begg. So, uh, without further ado, we have uh, compiled, we've got 30 or 40 new entries this week alone that came in just in the past couple of days. And so I'm getting my uh, flex fingers here ready to go to reach into the proverbial uh, K-Bright fishbowl. And we're going to pull out the pastor's winning name to find out who this week's pastor appreciation pastor of the week is. And we're going to do that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues in just a moment. When a young mother hears her baby's heartbeat for the first time, everything changes. They know that's a baby. And when you partner with us and Preborn, you let them see the ultrasound image and God takes care of the rest. Roger Marsh here for Preborn, our newest member of the Bottom Line Show family. Preborn is helping women by helping them see their child on the ultrasound, hear that baby's heartbeat for the first time after getting that pregnancy test, and you'd be amazed at the results. So far for the first half of this year, more than 25,000 babies have been saved through Preborn, and 25 ultrasound machines have been placed. Now it costs $28 to provide a free ultrasound for a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy and wondering what to do with the child. We tell her what option number three is in addition to option one and two. Option one, of course, you're a mom. Option two, legally, you can get abortion in some states. But option number three is adoption. And the ultrasound makes option number one or three much more palatable. Call 833-850-BABY right now. Make a $28 donation to save one life. Make a $28 a month 
donation to save a life each and every month. That's less than a dollar a day. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or click the preborn banner when you go to kbrightradio.com today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good News Friday edition of the program. And we've been talking about churches and pastors and uh, the liquid church in New Jersey that opened the Clean Water Cafe that is staffed by adults with developmental delays and special needs and uh, the folks on the autism spectrum and Down syndrome. Just a great ministry and, and how the work of preborn feeds into that type of ministry, you know, that, that reaches out and deals with people where they are and says, hey, look, every life that God creates in the womb has value, and we need to hold it as such. And so when you call Preborn at 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, and make a donation of $28, that means one more woman who's expecting a child gets a chance to see that baby in the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat and then figure out, okay, what are my options here? I can release the child for adoption i can raise the child or legally in the people's republic of california you can kill that child i mean through abortion and we don't want that option but 83 percent of the women who see that ultrasound through preborn wind up uh, keeping the child and or releasing the child for adoption so um, i encourage you to give a gift and to be proactive maybe your church has a pro-life ministry that you want to nominate your church and pastor for pastor of the week in doing so and i encourage you to do so go to kbrightradio.com uh, hit the banner for uh, preborn to make a donation there for the preborn ministry, but then also hit the Pastor Appreciation Month banner to see if your pastor's name will wind up in the drawing for Pastor of the Week. Now, you can't register for this week's drawing right now. We already have uh, we're, uh, the names that are in the bowl, and I'm about to reach in and pick out this week's Pastor of the Week, but I really encourage you to make sure you do uh, hustle in before the month is over. We'll only have uh, about three more drawings left. But this week's winner, big fanfare here. Uh, let's go and reach inside, get the paper out. And the winner is Pastor Timothy Chambers. Pastor Timothy Chambers from Faith Community Church in Compton. Uh, you have been nominated to be Pastor of the Week, and we have selected you at random to be the Pastor of the Week. And uh, congratulations, Pastor Chambers. I hope and pray that you love and appreciate the uh, gift basket that we put together for you um, of gifts and things from uh, our ministry partners like Rick Warren's Daily Hope and Charles Stanley's In Touch Ministries, David Jeremiah and others. Um, you're, it's designed to be a blessing to you. Here's what your congregation, Pastor Chambers, had to say about you as to why they were nominating you for Pastor of the Week. We love Pastor Chambers. He feeds the community and thousands of families each and every year. I love to hear that community outreach example, first and foremost. Uh, secondly, he speaks the word of God. Third, and this is wonderful because they do, these two go hand in glove. He is patient with his congregation, but he teaches us accountability. Now, how many of us can say this about the pastors who are leading us in congregational ministry right now? Listen to what this uh, parishioner writes. Feeding the community speaks the word of God, patient and teaches us accountability. Pastor Chambers also serves God and others in the church. Now, can I just have a little sidebar here for just a second here? Have you ever been part of a church? Maybe you're part of a church right now where the pastor is, it's a word I'm looking for. I'll try to find a polite way to say this. The pastor is untouchable. 
the pastor is unreachable. He's got a profile and maybe writes a little bit and has a podcast or a local broadcast. And if you were to bump into this guy at Home Depot or you know, the supermarket or something like that, probably would not know you. I have to admit, a couple of years ago, uh, we were doing a thing, uh, kind of Church of the Week type of uh, uh, thing. And I remember uh, putting on my social media page that I was getting ready to record a conversation for a later broadcast with this pastor. And someone I'd known for many, many years reached out to me on social media and said, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. You're, you're talking to my pastor. You know, Please tell him I said hi. And so the pastor came down to the studio. We started doing the recording. And I mentioned this person's name. And he looked at me funny and he said, oh. I said, that they say hi. And, oh. And he said, you know, I really know who you're talking about and and I realized you know in a larger church that can potentially be a problem but this church wasn't that big and so when I see people writing about Pastor Timothy Chambers the pastor at the Faith Community Church in Compton who is our pastor of the week by the way and they say things like he's patient he's family oriented he serves God and he serves others in the church he's a good example of what a godly man should be He demonstrates family values. These are all quotes from people who have nominated Pastor Chambers to be our Pastor of the Week here at the Bottom Line Show. He is well-respected in the community, and he is very respectful to other people, no matter what situation he finds himself in, even if it's challenging. Oh, my goodness. And then what pastor wouldn't love to hear this said about them? He thinks critically about God and how his teachings are going to be applied. He is trustworthy and has the ability, pastors, please listen to this. He has the ability to delegate and to communicate effectively. Man, I can't think of a more glowing tribute for a pastor than I'm so grateful that we chose this name. Pastor Timothy Chambers, Faith Community Church in Compton is our winner this week of our Pastor of the Week. Woohoo! Gets that fantastic prize package that we put together thanks to our ministry partners, uh, including... David Jeremiah's uh, uh, church and congregation and ministry and and In Touch, Charles Stanley's ministry, Daily Hope, uh, Rick Warren's. And Faith Community Church in Compton, enjoy the 100 Bibles that you'll be receiving courtesy of Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. So uh, if you have not registered your pastor yet for Pastor of the Week, we have three more drawings to go because October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Go to kbrightradio.com. You'll see a banner up for Pastor Appreciation Month. Click on that banner and then just follow the prompts. It's really easy to find the info that you're looking for. And I encourage you to go ahead and click on that and get everything all lined up so you can nominate your pastor for Pastor Appreciation Pastor of the Week. Thank you so much for being a part of the Bottom Line Show today and every day. We've had a lot of phone activity this week, a lot of fun, but understanding, too, that we're living in some rather perilous times. And yet, in the middle of the perilous times, uh, we know that God is our hope and our stay. Next week on the program, I'll be talking with George Barna about what people are looking for politically uh, in the church in their candidates for political office. It's a big surprise. Also, Leela Gilbert is going to join me to talk about global persecution and how we in the body of Christ here in the U.S. can do a better job of supporting our brothers and sisters abroad who are literally facing potential death every time they leave the house 
with the good news of the gospel on their lips. But the good news of the gospel is what we're called to go and preach. Go into all the world and preach that good news to everyone and baptize those who believe it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. That is the good news of the gospel, and that's the bottom line.